happening because they may be bullied or something happening on Facebook that's upsetting them. I had one young man who was talked to me, one boy who talked to me, he was very upset because some of the things girls who were on his Facebook were putting up these very explicit pictures and he was beginning to sort of feel that, you know, lustful thoughts on it. And basically telling him, you know, just take them off your newsfeed. You know, you don't have to see the pictures. And just simple things, because a very, remember, everything's going into the brain at that time is influencing it. So use other avenues if they won't talk. Elizabeth. Patricia, what was the name of that film you said that's very porny? Game of Thrones or something? Yeah, Game of Thrones. And it's is something it on that TV? It's on TV. Okay. It's on pay, isn't it? Channel something oh, or the other. I, I, I didn't know. I don't watch TV. Oh. Our television is on only for the rugby. Which means we got to get home today before 4.30, I think. So, I don't watch Game of Thrones. I was speaking at a youth group and the minister called me and said, can you talk about Game of Thrones? That's when I started looking. It's on the pay TV channels. So it's not on free-to-air currently, which is helpful. The question over there. Oh. Oh, thank you for your talk today. Um, there seems an assumption, my eldest is seven, and I don't know anything about Facebook, and my husband's not on it either, but that everybody's on Facebook. Is there anybody not on Facebook? Like, are all children on Facebook? Uh, most, many parents set an age limit. This is where you get to be an authoritative parent. Just set an age limit. And most people I know of would say 13. And they say, when you're 13, you can have a Facebook page. And, and or they would say, okay, I'll let you in at 11, but I need to be one of your friends. You can't kick me out. You can't. And then you've got to learn about Facebook. Sorry, Patricia, I just wanted to add to that. It's actually illegal for children to have a Facebook um, account under 13. They're supposed to be under 13. It's illegal. Thank you. Thank you very much. Patricia, can I just ask about um, the teenagers of today that are putting their selfies up on Facebook and whatever? Is that a direct relationship to the fact that Facebook is so new, the internet is, as it's developing, it's so new, and would that be different for the younger kids of today? I'm talking about specifically my own kids who are six. Those kids, the younger kids, they're growing up with Facebook, they're aware of it from now. Do you think that they, as, as they grow and get knowledgeable, well, they have a different attitude and, and um, perhaps outlook on, you know, putting a selfie up on Facebook and knowing that that is distributed all around the world instantly. Um, we hope and we pray that it's so, but the point is there's a couple of things here. One is that their brains are, as we discussed, still developing, and that brain development of lots of control not quite developed is not going to change because the brain's still going to be immature at that age. And the other thing is a lot of the selfie and that wanting to put the sex thing, 
the girls wanting to be sexual and seeing that. It's like feminism gone crazy. That sort of empowerment by being sexual. We think, and some research support it, is being driven by the pornification of our society. The porn in our society, the sexualization of the media and the advertisements and the television. So we can hope that that's not going to get any worse, but from all the trends, it's not going to change. So the kids are going to become constantly being bombarded with this. I doubt whether it's just because there is Facebook and it's going to be so ho-hum and all that kids are not going to worry. They're going to find new vehicles. There's things called Snapchat that kids use, which is supposed to be, and somebody who's young and funky here can correct me, supposed to sort of vanish in a, like a few seconds or 30 seconds or something. However, apparently that gives enough time for someone to save that picture. So kids believe this hype that, you know, it's okay to do this or it's okay to do that. I doubt whether the technology is going to sort of in some way change or kids are going to get used to it. Your kids growing up depend on you to set the basic foundation. Thank you, Patricia. Um, just further to Facebook, we have Instagram as well. I'd be interested in your views on Instagram. Um, I, I see harmless photos on one level, but to me as a parent of a 12-year-old, it's insidious. It's just as insidious because I have seen many images that are exactly as you've described. Uh, I believe that they've changed the, the legal age now to 13, uh, but uh, in our world, all the girls have had access to Instagram for maybe two years and Snapchat as well. So yeah. can you just expand on that? What well, your views on Instagram? Well, for those of you who don't know, Instagram is mainly just photographs, images, not sort of long text. And basically, it's any image. A lot of the Instagrams are beautiful scenes of Bondi Beach or something, but can be anything. And so it's just like Facebook or any other medium. There's, you know, I have a slide which I didn't use today, which is about 20 different things, you know, all the different social media. Every time I show it, the kids add something to it. They say, oh, you missed out on Bebo. Oh, you missed out on this. And so it's just so many different ways. And so we can't, we can't block the tool because let's face it, the Internet is a great tool for education, for information. Don't blame the tool. You know, we've got to educate our children to deal with it, with integrity and godliness. That's really what it is. Did you want to follow up on that? Oh, you're waiting. That's a question at the back also. You mentioned, uh, thanks, by the way. You mentioned early in your talk a couple of times the role of uncle and aunties in sex education. I mean, we probably live in a society where the broader community and uncles and aunties don't have such an impact on nephews and nieces. But do you want to... Thank you very much for giving me an opportunity to talk to that. This is particularly important in today's world where we have like one-third of the marriages breaking down and the statistics are no different in the church from outside. And so we have single parents in the church. My dear brothers and sisters, every one of you have a role 
every member in the church has a role to nurture, to pray for, to be there for the young people. I am an honorary auntie to a lot of Sri Lankan kids, which of course means that every time something happens in the family, call Auntie Pat, and Auntie Pat gets to solve these concerns. Auntie Pat also takes time to spend a day with each kid. When they were in their teens, I used to spend the day taking them, just walking through Westfield, have a cup of coffee, go for a movie, chat. They tell me things they would never tell their parents. I don't tell anyone, Auntie, yes. But they know they've got someone they can talk to. This is so important that kids have someone they can talk to. And often it's hard to talk to them. Not often. It, sometimes it is hard to talk to mom or dad. There are many parents who are very approachable and kids can talk to them. See, not everybody has sexologists for mother and dinner table conversations are about sex. But, you know, it's hard sometimes to talk about it. But if they have somebody other than a mother, parent, whom they can talk to, it is a huge help. Because that person, you know, it's like a godmother, godfather. We don't, we don't have this in our culture, in the churches. And it's very sad. Because where I come from, obviously, the sort of subcontinental culture, there's always the extended family who will be there. And this is so important. And look, I tell parents, I tell the church, look, you're going to spend eternity with these children. Why not start now? You know, these are our family. Thank you. You... You sort of addressed a topic just then that's really important to me. Sure. Um, but what I know one of the one of the statistics I read said that it's your child should have five adults, and adults meaning like thirty year olds, not not nineteen or twenty year olds. But that's an important thing too. But five adults in their lives that they can talk to. And so, do you have do you know of churches that are from kind of a top, you know, that's great to teach that from a bottom-up approach and to tell all of us here to do that. But do you know of churches that do that kind of from the top down? I don't know any churches, but for everything I've seen in your church, you seem to be able to be modeling this quite well. Um, I'll leave that there. But <laughs> the point is I don't know any churches that particularly model it. But what you suggest is really wonderful. I mean, if it is built into a church, and again, I would really come, I don't know about the five, but having a number of people there, and as you quite rightly said, having people who are past that mid-20 brain maturation stage, you know, you don't want a 14-year-old whose brain development being, you know, totally influenced. I know there are lots of 19-year-olds who are very mature, but by a 19-year-old whose brain is also still developing. So it's good to have somebody who's older. This is particularly so today when our kids are so exposed to the sexualized uh, culture, especially pornography. Having someone older who can mentor them at that time is really important. But to answer your question, I don't know of any churches. 
Maybe we can start a model right here. Hi, Patricia. Thank you so much for your informative talk today. I just wanted to ask, is there a book that could help us with the key points and dialogue on how we what we should be saying to our children at the various ages? Because it's such a wide, such a wide topic, so much to speak about, and just concerned that you know I'd miss out on a point or you know. You're saying book? Did you say a book? A book, yes. Okay. If you turn to the last page there, the second point after I put my book, of course. The second point says Christian Sex Education Resources. This is a series of books that was written by Stanton Jones and his wife. It's American, very well written, starting from three years. There's a series of, I think, five books. And the, the younger ones are like read with your child type books. Also, please try the Christian Education Publications. That's Anglican Youth Works Publishing. They've got a few books out. There's a recent one, and I should remember the name, but it's about talking about pregnancy. So it's about little books like. So try the CEP website, but this particular series is excellent. I understand it is being stocked by Koron. Okay. One down the back here. I'm totally amazed by this talk and I feel deeply uh, touched and grateful Thank to you. Thank you. You are a blessing and it's amazing to see you so passionate about this subject. Um, we obviously need to hear all of this and I was just thinking, I watch uh, the Australian Christian Channel all the time at home and if you get pay TV it's on there 24-7 and it's an amazing resource. I would like to see you have a show on there, like a videotape. <laughs> I don't think it would be hard to organise. They're probably always wanting Australian content. It's an Australian show. Um, basically, it would be wonderful if you could contact them, just get someone to video you talk and put it on there because, honestly, this is something that is so special to hear and everybody needs to hear it. And I just don't think it's getting out there. Um, my, Thank you. Yeah. Uh, my story is that I've got a daughter who's 18 years old and she actually came up with every single aspect of that part you put on the dark side. You know, she, she's gone through everything of those things. It's very concerning. I'm a single parent. I don't get support from my church or other people. I've, I've always wanted that, those five adults, those people that will talk to her. And I've asked friends, would you please talk to her? Would you please help me? But I find most people are reluctant to get involved in our culture now. People just want to keep to themselves. They don't want complex dramas. They don't want to deal with it, you know what I mean? And that makes it very hard. And people who are single parents are very isolated still in our culture. So it's not really easy to bring up a child on your own and try and do all of those wonderful things you've said. I mean, through the grace of God, I must say that I think she's going to turn out okay. She's intelligent. She did have a stint at Hillsong when she was 13, 14, which was really good because they did impart some teaching. But, uh, yeah, I haven't really got a question. I just wanted to say those things. Thank you. Just to put it out there that, you know, it's, it's not easy for two parents, but when you're a single parent and you don't have the support, the slippery slope is going to happen because the culture is so influential. 
Yeah, but we need to yeah. remember then that, you know, we do worship a redeeming and forgiving God. And, uh, you know, we finally pray and put him in, put your child in God's hands. One more. Oh, hi, Patricia. Um, my kids are quite young, so this doesn't really apply as yet. I was just wondering when your kids are sort of in those later teen years, as much as you're trying to encourage abstinence, is it good to provide protection as a, like, if you do decide to do this, even though I discourage it, just because obviously as much as there's forgiveness, babies don't disappear. So would it be good to have, like, say, a packet of condoms that you say, look, they don't protect from everything, but if you do go down this path, what, what I would say, what I recommend is that information be provided. Information be provided. But you don't assist in terms of providing the actual condom. But you provide all the information. But then you have shared your values, you have shared the word of God, you have taught them of this wonderful gift that is kept for marriage. And at that stage, you've also told them about their brains, that, you know, they're liable to have brain snaps and they need to take... You teach them a way of taking a deep breath and actually thinking, is this honoring to me? Is this honoring towards my partner? Is this to the glory of God? Generally, when they've gone through those three... The picture boy, he's lost his erection. If it's a girl, her arousal's probably dropped by the time she's thought about honoring her body and the, her body being the Holy Spirit. And, but you sort of work the system of giving them a think pattern. But I say, because the moment you provide the condom, it is like you are authorizing it. And I would suggest that that would be unwise. But... Information, knowledge, yes. Okay, I've got two last questions. Hi, Patricia. My eldest is seven years old, and I hear about um, so-and-so's got three girlfriends, so-and-so's got two boyfriends, someone kissed someone, and I don't know when to think that it's just innocence, or do I say you're too young to have a girlfriend? You don't, you know, when to think about it seriously, but he talks about it completely innocently. So I just struggle with Thank when, you. what to talk about with him. Thank you. So a couple of things to this. I mean... At one level, it's totally innocent. At another level, it is being driven by like television that kids are watching and they're coming and talking about it. I, I, two things I'd like to tell you. One is use it as an opening. What do your friends mean by girlfriend, darling? We all have lots of girlfriends and boyfriends. Like I have so many. So look, Auntie so-and-so is my girlfriend. And we've got Uncle so-and-so and so-and-so and they're my boyfriend. So we're all friends. But Daddy is my special friend because we are married. So use it as a teaching experience. I have to tell you a little story. I was walking through one of the Christian girls' schools with this wonderful, I'll tell you who it is. It was Presbyterian Girls, Presbyterian Ladies College. And I was walking through with uh, Dr. Paul Burgess, who's the principal. And this little girl ran up to him and said, just that, said, I'm in love. Dr. Burgess, I'm in love. And he looked at her and said, oh, that's beautiful, Emily. I do hope it's with your daddy. And we just walked on. And I thought, that's an interestingly wise thing. And, and she was like, yeah. And she went, oh. Because it's often just like, it's just this sort of, you know,
know, everyone's talking, it's in television, so don't take it too serious, but use it as a time of talking about friendship and special friendship. Last question. I could stay all day till the match starts, of course. <laughs> We'd like that. Thank you very much, Patricia. I actually just have a question about your other um, writings. When you were here last, you talked about um, some fictional work that you were doing, Christian fictional work, and I looked it up, but it wasn't available. Is it available now? No, no, I haven't. Got, I haven't actually had time. Oh. That's my husband who's sort of now looking at me because he's the one who's saying, you've got to get them published because I haven't had the time to follow it up because we are in like the third stage of uh, editing of my second book with Anglican Media called, I think the current name they're using is The Best Sex for Life. It goes from engagement, which we call uh, diamond ring to wedding band, engagement period, which is a training for trustworthiness, and then marriage, which is honeymoon expectations, and then marriage as growth in sanctification, and then the last chapter is sexy and 60 plus. I had to have it. I mean, look, that's me. And so that hopefully will be out by the end of September, and then we've got a book on singleness coming out. So know that my poor creative writing and my knitting neither gets done. I think there's one person pleading to ask. It's Henka. Hi. I just want to add a little bit. We come from South Africa, and we've got quite a lot of South Africans in the church, and especially in the Afrikaans community, I think um, they had it pretty together with teaching us not to sleep together before marriage. But the other side of that is also true. It was so stifled that it became a dirty act and my dad is a minister, and he had the insight when, oh, this is my husband, we've been dating, for, we've, we've been together for 20 years. But when I was 18, I went to university and I met my husband, we were allowed to actually, I had a bed and he had a mattress next to me, and my dad actually trusted us to do the right thing. And he also just, he made it very clear as well as Christians that your good works cannot get you into heaven, but your bad works can maybe keep you out. But, you know, very relaxed, and we had the freedom to choose the right thing. And, and he had the trust that God is forgiving. And it was, a, it was a great way to grow up. But sadly, I have to say that so many South Africans have had to um, <laughs> hide their whole sexual life. And even in the Afrikaans culture, they called your penis your wrong place. Like, just remember to wash your wrong place. You know, what a, what a foundation. Um, you really need to be joyful about sex and be open about it. And it's not the end of the world either. You know, it's the start of Thank magnificent. You. Thank you. So I'll finish then by telling you that the Bible is one of the sexiest, if not the sexiest book I've ever read. After all, it starts with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, like he, perfect six-pack had to collect lots of fig leaves to cover his. And she, and she was like this perfect woman, no boob jobs, no Botox. Then, you know, Revelation, Christ coming back to do what? To claim his bride. What a marriage, what a consummation. Honeymoon for eternity. Right in the middle of the Bible, eight chapters of erotic love in marriage. 
Christians, what more do we want? Thank you. Can I put my earring back? You can put your <laughs> earring back on. You can get back, get, get dressed. Well, it's been a wonderful morning. Uh, parenting, I think, is one of the hardest challenges in life. And there's no doubt that this issue is a massive one for us uh, as a society and also as a church. And so thank you very much for coming and sharing both your research, your thinking and practical experience with this. It's been very helpful. Um, if I could just commend her website, very helpful. The book, very good book. Uh, you'll see there's an M rating on it. Um, you probably picked up. She is, puts it all out there. Um, but very helpful. Uh, our youth program has been doing that past term which has been great. Uh, so thank you very much, Patricia, for coming. Thank you. It's been a pleasure again. Uh, if you've got children in the kids' program, you need to pick them up and get them marked out. If you'd like to make a donation towards cost today, there's a bucket at the back. There is some food, tea and coffee. Do please stay around. Uh, but why not, can I get you to, as we finish off, just thank Patricia again. Thank you.